That was the opening music to Genevieve, released in 1953 and directed by Henry Cornelius and starring Dinah Sheridan, John Gregson, Kay Kendall, and Kenneth Moore as Ambrose Claverhouse. I love that name, Claverhouse. I do too. With that name, he could have been in the professionals movie. Remember the name there? Gilbert? <laughs> yeah. Not Gilbert, but something like that anyway. Yeah, so you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and I'm Matt Johnson recording from North Bend, Washington today. And Bob Johnson here in Los Angeles welcoming you all back to Classic Movie Reviews. So you were saying before we got started that uh, you had done your homework on this one. Do you have some stats for us? I do. Should we first of all identify how people can reach us? Sure. That'd probably be good if this is the first episode they're listening to. (laughs) So you can find find us on the internet at www.classicmoviereviews.net or in Facebook, just search for Classic Movie Reviews. And you can do the same thing in iTunes. Just search for Classic Movie Reviews, and you'll find us there. Yeah, we've got a lot of uh, activity on the Facebook page, a lot of likes and some comments. And actually, this movie, Genevieve, was a suggestion from a longtime listener who has suggested several movies in the past, and they've all been excellent. So, great recommendations. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I looked up the... uh the uh, reviews for this movie and uh, the audience score is at 76%. I, I would go higher with mine. And there is, there is not, I guess, enough critic input to have a, a tomato meter yet. Said there was nothing there. The movie was uh, produced by the Rank Organization and distributed in the uh, U.S. by Universal International. And it was released in the U.S. in early 1954. I think I saw this when I was in... Uh, junior high in Montana. I, I, I remember that, and I've seen it since then. A little bit about the people involved. Henry Cornelius, the director, tragically died at the age of 44. I wasn't able to find out what the cause of death was. And he really had only done five movies, uh, including this one. So he had a short career, did a couple of other movies in another role. And then um, our cast, Kenneth Moore, who was uh, our favorite named character, had a long career, and he was in uh, a movie, Matt, that you might enjoy, The Sheriff of Fractured Jaw from 1958. That's a great name. But he was in another one that was very popular in 1960, Sink the Bismarck, about the uh, efforts of the British to sink a German battleship. Kay Kendall, tragically again, died at the age of 32. From cancer and had a very short curve, but a lovely woman. She did a nice job in the movie of pushing the car out of the mud. <laughs> she did. She was not <laughs> happy about that, though. John Gregson uh, was in uh, a lot of movies. He was in The Longest Day, he played a, a British uh, priest. And then uh, Dinah Sheridan, again, lots of movies. The one that I remember her in was The Mirror Cracked in 1980 with Elizabeth Taylor and Rock Hudson. Uh, I couldn't find anything on how well the movie did in terms of its finances and all, uh, so I can't report on that, but it sure is a fun movie to watch. Did you get a chance to read the uh, disclaimer from the Veteran Car Club of Great Britain about the movie? They said, and I quote, For their patient cooperation, the makers of this film express their thanks to the officers and members of the Veteran Car Club of Great Britain. Any resemblance between the 
deportment of our characters and any club members is emphatically denied by the club. <laughs> so basically, the, the way that Alan Kim and Ambrose Claverhouse uh, behave is not a reflection of their club members? <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. It, it's, a, it's a delightful, funny movie. I mean, I, I watched it with my friend John last Friday because he has so many DVDs, and we were laughing so hard. It's uh, it, 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 what's interesting to me about it is it's kind of like a little snapshot of life in England in nineteen, you know, the early nineteen fifties, and it the opening of the movie is Alan kind of coming home and and from work in his really old car uh, called Genevieve, finding that the key to his house is in the door, like it's it's just in the lock of the door, and he's like, that's odd. So he lets himself in and takes the key and without realizing that his wife, Wendy Kim, had left it there so, so that she could easily get into the house after shopping. So then there's this whole like, <laughs> there's this whole kind of comedy scene of her trying to get into the house while she's dropping eggs. And, and he's like up in the window and he realizes that this is going on. And he's just kind of laughing at her. And I was trying to figure out what their relationship was, but they, they seem to have a pretty good relationship where they can kind of give each other a hard time. Although we come to find out that she's not too pleased to go on this uh, rally between London and Brighton. Lunch in 10 minutes. Hello, Ambrose. Hello, you gorgeous creature. <laughs> come on, let's live a little. Kettle's boiling. Ah, oh, so am I. You look wonderful today. I'll come in and help you. Why did you flog that wreck and buy a spiker? Silly ass. Oh, I see. That smells delicious. There isn't very much. Well, you know me. Just across the bed. Any sherry? Help yourself. How's the advertising business? Dark, tedious. But lucrative. You have one, Wendy? Thanks. Who's the lucky girl this year? One, Rosalind Peters. She's a model. Oh, what does she model? Well, she's... Oh, don't tell me. I can guess. She says they're wearing the same thing in sweaters this year. <laughs> she seems very interested in vintage cars. Wait until she's bounced all the way to Brighton and back. Bounced? My spiker doesn't bounce. It flows. You don't seem very excited about the rally, if I may say so. Not exactly beside myself. If I didn't know you better, I'd say your enthusiasm was on the wane. Oh, Ambrose, the whole thing's so silly. Oh, steady on, old girl. The London Brighton's silly. Oh, it is. It's childish and a bore. Does Alan know you feel like that about it? No, of course not. I couldn't possibly tell him. Couldn't possibly tell me what? Nothing. Which they've done every year for, I guess, as long as they've been married. And I think before they were married, he did it. And then his father, maybe even his grandfather, had been in this this uh, rally. Yeah, I think that he said they'd been doing it for 25 years straight. <laughs> <laughs> in that same car, I think. That car, the 1904, and I, I don't, I can't pronounce the name. Dairoth? I may, I, may, I may have murdered that one. Precious, a Derek. A Derek, sir. Pardon my words, eh? You forgive me speaking to you without an introduction. She's beautiful, sir, beautiful. This is the first guy I ever owned, sir, a Derek. Aristocrats, all of them. But uh, there's not scratch on her. And then our, our favorite hero, Ambrose Claverhouse, is driving a 1905 Spiker. Spiker, yeah. I like that name. <laughs> I, I read where both of these cars are now in a museum. Really? In the Netherlands. They've been restored, and they're in, in, in I, I don't know what city in the Netherlands. 
Interesting. I, they they could not. It seemed like they couldn't go ten miles without breaking down. Uh, you know, it was like you you really had to be a mechanic to drive a car like that. The first part of the movie where Ambrose shows up at the house of uh, Alan and Wendy, he's just he just <laughs> from the very first scene, he just cracks me up because he's totally oblivious to what he's doing and saying and and getting. Uh, Alan in trouble, and I guess he dated Wendy before Alan met her, and oh yeah, and then he's constantly trying, and, and they played this down because of 1953. He's constantly on the lookout for a girlfriend. He is, yeah. He's brought a different girl every year on the, and it's never really worked out for him. <laughs> oh, he, he's a really, he was really a, a, a great actor. He was in a lot of movies I've seen him in. His voice he, was uh, really familiar to me. Like, I I wonder if he'd done some radio dramas or, I mean, I must have seen him in some other movies as well. But yeah, he seemed very familiar. It would be an understatement to say he was full of himself. Oh my gosh, he was so full of himself. <laughs> I should I should revise my earlier statement. This, this is like a snapshot of uh, early 1950s London upper class i mean they have money and they obviously have enough time yeah. to spend and do this rally and work on these cars and they're pretty well off so they um they banty back and forth the two guys and uh ambrose is always trying to get one up on and then it becomes the day of the race but they alan and wendy have a big argument over whether or not she's even going to go that was well written the way they went back and forth on that. What couldn't you possibly tell me? The fact is, old boy, there's a spot of treachery in our midst. Wendy says, Ambrose. Wendy says the London Brighton is a bore. Ambrose, I think you're foul. Does that mean you don't want to go? No, of course I'll go. You don't have to go, you know, if you don't want to. I don't? Well, frankly, children, this is beyond me. Is there something you'd rather do instead? Well, well is there? Now, just remember, will you? I didn't bring this up, and I didn't want to talk about it, but as it happens, Tanya's having a party tomorrow. I'm having a party, too. You, Alan, Rosalind... The one weekend in the year that you know is important to me, and you'd rather go to a... Well, of course I'd rather go to a party. Does that make me abnormal or something? I simply don't see what's so wonderful about getting into a 50-year-old car and taking two days to drive to Brighton and back. Look, Ambrose, if you don't... Quite. I was about to plead a subsequent engagement. Well, good luck, sport. Oh, I'm sorry, darling. Of course I'll come. Perhaps it'll be better this year. No. No what? I'll make the run alone. Oh, please. If you're going to be moody and long-suffering about it... I, I'm moody and long-suffering. Don't you think you're being a little unfair? No, I don't. I think you're unfair. If Ambrose hadn't come Ambrose, in... Ambrose, Ambrose. Let's leave him out of it, shall we? That's the really unpleasant aspect about this situation, the fact that you talk to him. Well, why shouldn't I talk to him? He's our oldest friend, isn't he? He even introduced us. I'd like to be able to feel that when you had a problem, you could discuss it with me. Don't understand your eagerness to confide in Ambrose Claverhouse. That's a beastly thing to say. All right, then. So I'm unfair, moody, long-suffering and beastly. You know very well you were going to ask me to give up the run and take you to the party instead. You'd have asked me tonight. I'm not going with you. This year, next year or any year. I'll never get into that silly car again. The lunch is ready. I don't want any lunch. Then don't eat any lunch. I can get it round to the pub. Then go round to the blasted pub. They did. That seemed really, like, authentic for a fight that a married, a married couple would have. 
So they go, they go back and forth, back and forth about whether she's going to go. And and she ends up going. <laughs> but he ends up, he buys her a hat and that kind of uh, turns her around to thinking that she, she'll go on this, uh, this rally with him. So they're, they're all lined up at the, at the start and they're wondering where uh, Ambrose is because uh, Ro- Rosalind has shown up with not just her bags, but also this gigantic dog. <laughs> A <laughs> uh, uh, Saint Bernard. Hey, Rosalind! Hi! Hi! Morning, Wendy. Good morning, our sport. So reason prevailed, eh? <laughs> Thank heavens you got here. I've been calling your number all night. Oh, I'm sorry, but I went to that party on Friday and it sort of got out of hand. Everybody decided to fly to Jersey. Eh? Oh, oh well, never mind. <laughs> What's that? I was going to leave her with the housekeeper, but she's been sick. The dog's been sick? No, of course not the housekeeper. But, Rosalind, we can't take that mutt all the way to Brighton. She's not a mutt. She's a sweet dog and has absolutely perfect manners. But can't you understand? We can't take a great big fat lump of a... Alan, bear me out. It just won't do, will it? Well, I don't see why not, old man. Oh, fine, fine. That's very funny. Mr. Cleverhouse! Mr. Cleverhouse! You're next! I love the back seat of the old spiker. (laughs) And and Ambrose, once he finally shows up, is, isn't too pleased about having this dog on on board. And like you said, before we got started, he's he's not really that nice to the dog either. No, he, he, no, no, he wasn't. Uh, I'm not even sure at times he was very nice to uh, Rosalind. He was kind of a no, bossy guy. That's true. He was bossy, and he was very full of himself and kind of a chauvinist. Yeah. Probably explains why he hadn't had much luck with his girlfriends in the past. <laughs> one date with, one date with Mister Claverhouse, and they said that's enough of that guy. So the rally starts, and there's a you know, obviously a bunch of things that happen along the way to Brighton. But the one of the funnier ones was that they uh, they kind of have to stop. I don't know what's wrong with the engine, but Wendy's like, "Well, should we have a picnic?" And she's packed up this real nice picnic, and 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 he's real happy about that, and. So they're eating, and then they decide to go ahead and get get started again. But when he's getting the car started, I think this is the scene. Uh, it makes the whole car jump, and then Wendy spills coffee all yeah. over herself. Was that, or was that well, earlier in the movie? That, that's the right. I think that's the right point in their uh, disastrous rally. She made a mess of herself, and then she goes off into the bushes to change her clothes. Yeah, and I thought that outfit that she came out of there with was interesting. It was like these plaid <laughs> pants. and a... <laughs> as, as good fortune would have it, the film crew shows up just as she's spilled this stuff all over her breast. Right, and that was kind of the funny part because they're, <laughs> they're filming this rally and, and they film her spilling coffee all over herself and him getting all upset. And so... The camera operator enjoyed the, uh, the whole experience filming her. <laughs> I was I was impressed by Wendy's uh, good attitude. She's she's like she's in it for the the long haul. Even though they kind of have a few little spats along the way about whether <laughs> you know why are they even doing this? It's kind of like there's kind of an ongoing sequence of bad experiences because they're so late in getting their car, Alan's car repaired, that they get to the uh, to the stop for the night, and uh, Alan, it's in his genius had canceled the hotel reservation that he had at this fancy hotel, and they end up in what might be the world's worst hotel I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love the woman behind the counter. She was such a great character. I should tell you that we don't usually let this room until all the others are taken. 
You see, I'm afraid it is a little uncomfortable. It's rather noisy. Noisy? The lady who had it last, one of our permanent residents, was totally deaf. So in her case, it didn't really matter. Unfortunately, only last week we lost her. You see, it's, it's really very... Well, I'm very, sure it will do very well. Well, it's very close Well, that's to all right. Um, which floor, please? It's number 57 on the 5th. Mr. and Mrs. McKim. Yes, that's right. Is there a lift? Oh, no. I'm afraid we have no lift. Well, is there someone who can give me a hand with these? I'm so sorry. The whole pot is just having his supper. But you can leave them there if you like. I think I can manage. Uh, is the bathroom near our room, please? No, both the bathrooms are on the second floor landing. The second? Yes, you'll see them on your way up. And when you want to take a bath, would you be so kind as to sign the little book you'll find just inside the bathroom door? Sign right now. Oh, I'm so sorry, but hot water is provided only in the afternoons between half past two and six. There's no hot water? Yes, hot water is provided in the afternoons between half past two and six. Darling, I think we'd better go out. But this is preposterous. Do I have to sign the book in order to have a cold bath? Well, the rule simply says that hot water is provided. You mean I can't even have a cold bath? Wendy, please. I'm very sorry, but I did not make the rules. Well, then who did? Oh, never mind. I don't want to know. No one's ever complained before. Are they Americans? There's only hot water on certain days of the week and certain between, times during the Between 2.30 and 6. And Wendy says to the proprietors, well, you don't have hot water. Yes, we do, from 2.30 to 6. <laughs> like... It's 9 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock, whatever it was. But anyway, they show up at the Plash Hotel for dinner. They make it. I don't know if they have dinner or they get there for the drinks and dancing. And they look like a million bucks. Yeah, they clean up well without having any hot water. They must have, they must have figured out a way to do that. This was one of my favorite scenes, though, because uh, it kind of like sets off the second half of the movie where uh, Rosalind is kind of whispering in Alan's ear about how close uh, Wendy and Ambrose are and kind of kind of gets them thinking that huh maybe there's more there than I than I think but the the best part of this whole movie for me I think might be when Wendy uh, or Rosalind had had too much to drink but decides that it, this is going to be a good time to get up and play the trumpet and Ambrose is is horrified, thinking, "Oh my gosh, she's she's blotto, she's gonna make a fool of herself," and uh, she gets up there and kills it. Man, she can play. Rosalind, don't you think you'd better? I'd like to play the trumpet. Would anybody like to hear me play the trumpet? Hey, you must have had even more than I thought. Wendy, you'd like to hear me play the trumpet? Well, do you, do you think you should? What's the name of your car? Uh, Cle Clementine. Genevieve. Genevieve. I'll show them how to play the plumpet. Hey, Rosalind! She must be blotter. Oh, my.
That's what it was. Don't you agree, Wendy? Wonderful. Alan? Absolutely. Why on earth didn't you tell me that... Rosalind. Rosalind! She's out. It, she, plays a, she plays a couple of different numbers. She finishes and comes back to her chair and passes out. And passes out. So, once <laughs> so again... for Ambrose. Once again, Ambrose's plan. plans are... <laughs> Not not working out oh, the way he had hoped. She was really hung over the next day too. I mean you gotta you gotta I gotta say though that there's undertone of sort of chauvinism in this movie. Like there he just assumes because she's a woman and, and maybe partly because she's pretty drunk that, that she's not gonna be able to play the the trumpet. And there's this assumption that the women aren't as capable as the men, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is uh, pretty typical, I think, for movies of this period. It rings true for that long ago. Um, well, and let's be honest. I mean, continues on through today. So, yeah. They so they <laughs> so the next morning. Well, no, no. What happens after that is that Wendy and Alan go back to their room. Wendy sort of, I don't know what she was thinking, but she sort of almost implies that something did happen between her and Ambrose. Yeah. And th this really sets Alan off, and he just storms off to the garage to work on his car, and he ends up working on the car all night long. At some point during that night, uh, Ambrose comes down and is kind of goading him, and this is when they make the bet to have a race back to London. <laughs> Ambrose played it well. I mean, every time we saw him, he was goading Going to Alan. Yeah, and it it starts off as twenty five uh, pounds, and then fifty pounds, and then a hundred pounds, and we find out earlier in the movie that Alan and Wendy only have about a hundred and thirty pounds in the bank, so that's uh, most of their money. And you know, of course, it at, in the heat of the moment, he agrees to a hundred pounds. And when Wendy finds out the next morning, she's pissed. <laughs> but they end up uh, starting off the race, but. Ambrose and Rosalind are at a pub, kind of on the outskirts of Brighton. And nothing like a few beers before the before the road rally. Yeah, and they don't seem too worried about winning this race because uh, Ambrose's car is, I think, a bit newer and in better shape than uh, Alan's. 
<laughs> but not but not by much because as soon as uh, they start to try to get the car going it won't start and they have to have four people from the pub there help by pushing them to get it started and that was kind of funny because the last person pushing it was a woman and she kept pushing pushing and it finally gets started and then this huge cloud of white smoke comes out and she just disappears into this cloud of white smoke <laughs> the visuals in this movie are just hilarious Jeez. there was a lot of uh exhaust smoke coming out of those cars <laughs> oh yes a blue and both blue and white and uh throughout this uh morning rosalind is really hung over i mean she she's not doing well at all i'm not even sure she wanted to go oh i don't think she wanted to go or she didn't know what she was getting herself into and then uh, alan and ambrose resort to all kinds of cheating how could right. they best Get one up on each other. Win at any cost. Oh uh, they they uh, sabotage each other's cars. <laughs> they they get the police involved. Uh, yeah, the police stop uh, Alan Wendy for speeding. Yeah, they're going 50, 50 miles an hour, and, and that they must have been going downhill because that car probably had a top speed of about twenty five. <laughs> I liked it when the back. Fender was came off, and Wendy had to go pick it oh, up. Oh, right near the end of the movie, yeah, that's that was funny. But the police let him go because they feel kind of sorry for him, and and Wendy sort of charms them, I guess, into letting him go. But then later in the movie, Alan calls ahead to uh, a pub that he must know about, or maybe knows the 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 owner of the pub, and tells him a story that they've been in a terrible accident and. The pub owner flags down Ambrose and Rosalind and, and tells them that, that there's been a terrible accident and, and his friends, Alan and Wendy, are involved. If you're about to become a father, I'm not interested. I'm sorry to trouble you, sir, but I wanted to ask if you knew anything about the accident. Accident? Yes, some friends of mine who were on the rally. A young couple named McKim. We've just heard that they... McKim? What, do you mean to say that... Well, was it a serious accident? Well, the chap that just stopped here said... What, you mean that... Oh, my. Of course, Ambrose sort of like freaks out and turns around and starts driving the other direction. And then this whole time, Alan is laughing and laughing. He just thinks this is the funniest thing. And then and Ambrose's car passes him going the other direction. And he just waves and laughs and honks his horn. <laughs> oh, I tell you, uh, they would make it quite a rally, wouldn't they? Um, you know, the idea of doing that is, the idea of doing that's fun. Like, I think that would be a fun kind of excursion to do maybe in a car that didn't break down every 10 miles but you know it's kind of a little adventure and what was fun about the movie is just seeing the countryside and seeing london and and you know seeing these old cars and seeing not just the old old cars in the rally but then the older cars that were new at the time that were you know early 50s late late 40s i made a game of trying to identify what the names on them were i, I didn't have much luck no yeah because a lot of those brands probably aren't even around anymore um, but I like that red car that that one guy had that towed Alan and Wendy. Oh, and they ruined that car. The guy yeah. had said, he said his wife had bought it a week before. Yeah, boy, I felt oh. bad for him. He's trying to do something nice. And he drives off without even exchanging insurance information. I know, that was a sweet car. But they finally they finally get back to uh, London. And did you, did you notice how smoggy London was? Do you think that was smog or do you think that was fog? I, I'm, I'm going to bet that it was smog just from all the factories and all the cars i think it was smog because i remember as a young kid uh london would have these uh 
smog warnings because so much of the heat was done with coal. Yeah. And and so there was all this coal heating and cars and factories. Yeah, it, it took them a long time to clean that up. It's kind of like uh, recently when uh, in China they've had to have smog warnings. And yeah, I was going to loop back to when uh, Ambrose car gets stuck and he, he orders Rosalind, who's hung over, to get out and push it. Right, and he's super <laughs> mean about it too. He falls. Instead, oh. like instead of having her, like all she needed to do was like steer and I guess put the gas down, right? But yeah. He, he makes her get out. She's not happy about that. That's but again, it's like is... in, it's totally in character for him because he's been treating her kind of badly the whole time. This explains why Ambrose never had more than one date with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're kind of neck and neck near the end of the race. Yeah, that was that was fun. It was really down to the wire. And then Alan's car breaks down, and Ambrose is like, "Yes." And then his car gets stuck in the train track. The tram. Well, first he, I think he got in an accident, right? So then he gets oh, out yes. of the accident, yes. and then uh, Alan's car gets a flat tire, so they're out pushing it. And then Ambrose's car's tire gets stuck in the trolley tracks, which is a totally real thing. Like when I'm in Portland and I'm I'm biking around town, there's signs everywhere about be careful of getting your bike tire stuck in the track and there's all you know people get in accidents all the time uh on bikes and those tires weren't much wider than a bike tire so i could see where that no they weren't they look like those mountain bike tires yeah so then he goes veering off the wrong direction and uh, alan and wendy's are so close so close to the finish and then their car just gives out but it's kind of like a it's kind of like a herbie the love bug moment where (laughs) The, that's totally what I thought about at the end, uh, where the brake goes off and the car kind of rolls by itself across the finish line. <laughs> and they win. And they win. But I, I think the bet was forgiven or forgotten. I think so, yeah. You know, one of the joys and pleasures of this movie is the music. The music sort of is lyrical and it made me feel good like they were out in the countryside that kind of was upbeat and upbeat and rolled along it was really well well suited for the uh, for the movie and the themes in it in the movie The music was great. I, I really liked it. It it had sort of a, a jaunty feel, and, and at times it would be more sort of playful when they're just kind of totaling, totaling down the road, or at other times it would be faster paced when they were actually trying to race. And it, it kind of had a comedic edge to it at some times, like when, when Ambrose and Rosalind got stuck behind all the sheep. That was pretty funny. I read a, I read one little quote that uh, the script for Genevieve originally called for the rivals to be driving British cars. Alan was the, supposed to be driving a Wolseley or Humber, and Ambrose a Lancaster. Lancaster? But no owners of such cars were willing to lend them for the filming. <laughs> <laughs> they must have known. I did find some box office information. I've been looking here on another 
on my phone. Genevieve was the second most popular at the British box office in 1953. Uh, I guess it did rather well. I, I, I wonder if they still have this car rally today. That's a good question. Um, I should have looked that up. This movie was nominated for two Oscars as well. I know, yes. I saw uh, that too. Nominated for Best Writing, Story and Screenplay, and Best Music Scoring of a Dramatic or Comedy Picture. And then the Golden Globes, back in 1955, it, was, it won Best Foreign Film. Uh, the BAFTA Awards, it won uh, Best British Film, and it was nominated for Best British Actor Kenneth Moore. And then Best Film of Any Source. So it's, uh, it's been recognized as a, as a you know, well-made, good, good movie. And fun to watch, huh? Did you, did you like the posters that they had for the movie, the one where the car is flying off the road? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's it's kind of a forerunner to some of those uh, movies where the car has more magical properties, I think, you know, like yes. I was thinking of like Herbie the Love Bug or um, what was that movie that, oh gosh, um, it was kind of, I think it was a Disney Fred movie. Fred McMurray did one where he, it was Mr. Flubber or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that, that was the one I was thinking of, yeah. And he could make the car fly, which is really unusual. I rated this uh, at the eight, at eight on a scale of one to ten. Not quite there with uh, double indemnity or stagecoach, but I sure did enjoy it. I would recommend it. I would give it an eight as well. And I just looked it up, and the London to Brighton Veterans Car Run is still happening. It's the longest running rally uh, motor event in the world. It's 351 days until the next event. <laughs> Sunday, uh, November 5th, 2017. We have time to enter a car. Oh my God, they're the same cars. They're like from that era. They look like Genevieve could be one of these cars. Oh my goodness. I'm going to put a link to this website in the show notes so that uh, people can check this out. And also the movie is available on YouTube. I watched it on YouTube. It's awesome quality. It looks great. Um, so that's a great way to watch it. It's amazing that rally has been going on for over 100 years. Yeah, what a cool thing. Yeah. Right. There's something to that. It's just uh, it's just interesting to me that people can keep these 100-year-old cars going. I suppose that nowadays they don't stop at the pub for a couple of Guinness before they take off. Well, maybe in moderation, maybe they could have one, but uh, <laughs> probably not too many. <laughs> Well, anyway, so that was uh, Genevieve, and uh, what do we got coming up next? Well, we, we, we decided we were going to do a series of movies made by one particular director. I, I, I kind of am leaning toward John Sturgis. Yes, I, I had two in mind, Billy Wilder and John Sturgis, and um, Sturgis did so many movies. Uh, was he the director of Bad Day at Black Rock? I believe so. I kind of, I kind of want to watch that one. That would be a good. Maybe we could do that one next podcast. Let's watch that. Very timely today, even. Oh, totally! I think it would be yeah. good to watch that one. Uh, Shall we do that one next? Yeah, let's do that. Cool. So until next time, this is Matt Johnson coming to you from North Bend, and Bob Johnson from Los Angeles, wishing you all happy movie watching. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
know, that's a that's a interesting that there's that car culture uh, in England, and then we have the car culture here, and uh, you know, it's it's it. There is something fascinating about that to me. Like I I I would love to, if I had enough time, learn how to work on old cars. You know, like when I was in high school, a bunch of my really good friends would work on cars all weekend, and they could take an engine out and put a new engine in, or you know, pretty much probably could build a car from scratch but it's just it's just never something at that time that i was interested in but now as i've gotten older there is something kind of fascinating about uh cars and working on cars but you know nowadays with the new cars you'd be hard pressed to be able to do any work on on a new car because it's so computerized and so you'd really have to get an older car that you know is much more of a manual kind of thing than driven by computers. They used to call some of the mechanics back in my youth shade tree mechanics because they'd work right outside their house in the, in, under the shade of the tree and they could repair these things. Oh, that's that cool. That would be impossible today. 